And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Radio Show. Thank you for tuning in and listening wherever you are in the world. Dr. Stephen Stein is the author of The EQ Leader, Instilling Passion, Creating Shared Goals, and Building Meaningful Organizations Through Emotional Intelligence. Dr. Stein is also a leading expert on psychological assessment and emotional intelligence. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of MultiHealth Systems, uh, a leading publisher of scientifically validated uh, assessments, and uh, also does a lot of consulting for reality shows. Welcome, Dr. Stein. Nice to be with you, Philippe. Well, I guess the first question that everybody asks you is, what is emotional intelligence? Uh, well. <laughs> <laughs> versus IQ and EQ and all of these uh, uh, initials, uh, what is the, what is the new definition of emotional intelligence, if there is such a thing? Okay, well, I'll give, give you a simple definition. There's basically three things that go into emotional intelligence. First is the ability to be aware of your emotions and, and, the other, and people around you be aware of their emotions. The second is the ability to manage your emotions as well as try and manage the emotions of people around you. And the third is the ability to use emotions to help you get things done, make decisions, deal with stress. The difference with, uh, with IQ, by the way, IQ is more of what you're used to in terms of when you went through school, the ability to solve math problems and uh, memorize things and use logic. So it uses a different part of the brain. It's a different kind of intelligence. Okay. So now what you're doing, though, is, is I would assume somewhat unique um, based upon the, uh, the book and uh, the work that, that, that you have assessed, that in leadership and business, uh, EQ is not really used. Uh, it's, if you will, missing in action. And uh, you're saying uh, the opposite should be. Uh, and uh, so walk us through why you feel that way. Well, this is an area that uh, I've been studying for almost 25 years now. And we started off just looking at performance, you know, what makes people better performers than others. And study after study came to show that emotional intelligence was really an important factor in that. And in the last five or six years, we, I was asked to look more at this whole area of leadership because there seems to be so many I would say, issues with the lack of, of good leadership in a lot of organizations. And again, we did studies. We've tested over 2 million people worldwide wow. uh, trying to piece this out and find out what differentiates the really good leaders from the not-so-good leaders. And so what you, what you discovered is that uh, uh, this the emotional intelligence uh, is basically a higher level of intelligence than IQ in terms of being able to have leadership and run a, uh, run a, a company and, and build a business. Is that right? Yes, yeah, sort of. I, I don't know if I'd call it higher, but it's a different level of intelligence. You need okay. a certain amount of cognitive intelligence to get your foot in the door. You probably won't get hired unless sure. you have a good resume, came from a good school. But once you're hired, in order to move up the ladder – then the EQ is going to kick in. That's what's going to make the difference for you being recognized by the people around you or not. Mm, okay. Now you talk about there's four pillars uh, of, of that's the kind of like the, the foundation of, of competencies needed in today's business world. Uh, can we go through those? Sure, absolutely. So, so this is what we found that really helped differentiate those high-performing leaders from those not-so-good leaders. The first one is being authentic, which means you've got to be real. You've got to be believable. If you seem fake or you don't walk the talk, 
you're not going to be credible and you're not going to be a good leader. People just aren't going to follow you. The second one has to do with coaching. And that's really leaders today. You just can't go tell someone to go do something and, and wait till they come back. You have to ensure that they have the tools that they need, the training that they need, whatever people need these days to get the job done mm-hmm. uh, for some leader. Mm-hmm. No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Yeah, for some leaders that, you know, maybe sort of walking around the organization, talking to everybody, see what they have, what they need, and, and helping out. You know, various levels of coaching, but that's going to be seen as really important. The third thing we uh, found was important, we call it insight, but what it really means is your ability to communicate a vision to people, that there's a purpose, there's a reason why you're here. It's more than just to pick up a paycheck that what you're doing is doing something good for society, for people, for the world. And that's going to help motivate people. And the final one is innovation, because as you know, you know, today we're being disrupted by things all over the place. The taxi mm-hmm. business is being disrupted, hotels. So you've got to be innovative, which means take risks, try new things. Be, don't be afraid of failing. Learn from your failures. Get up and do something again, something new. Now, when you talk about uh, emotional intelligence, uh, as you write about it in the book, it, it sounds almost counterintuitive because, you know, you're told and taught don't show emotion and, and, and emotions is a sign of weakness. And you have, a, in Chapter 4, you talk about emotional contagion uh, and the importance exactly. of that. Yeah, so so I think it's brilliant. So talk to us about this. And, you know, I guess what what has happened within the last 25 years that you've been doing this, where you, do you see the tide turning in corporations and businesses um, where there is an understanding of uh, emotional intelligence or uh, are we stuck uh, in the old paradigm and it's going to be hell and high water to, to get a culture and a company to change? Yeah, I think what what you said earlier is, is correct, that we are seeing a change. There is a big change. And the other thing you said about it being uh, almost an oxymoron, emotional and intelligence seem to be opposites. Yeah. That was what I encountered so much like 20 years ago. You're right on the mark with that. That was the thought. But our research has shown that you can't really be logical or, or think things through without some kind of an emotional component, whether it's you call it intuition or you have a feeling about something. It's really there. So, yeah, we've seen this thing change significantly. We talked about emotional contagion. And what we mean there is you may not think you're showing emotion, but everybody around you feels it. And if you're kind of a happy guy and you walk into the office happy each day, that's going to spread around your organization. If you're the grumpy guy who's always complaining and always sees the negative side of things, well, that's going to influence all the people working around you as well. Now, there was a, uh, in, your, um, in the book and also in your media release, um, there was a survey, I guess, done by Deloitte that found leadership was the most urgent concern when considering gaps in uh, workforce readiness. So there's a new breed that might be, you know, uh, qualified academically, but not qualified emotionally to go into the workforce. That's scary. Yeah, that is scary, and that's what we're finding. And uh, I go around talking to a number of uh, business schools in terms of, you know, they're, they're learning great theory and so on, but when they actually get into the workplace, into the companies, 
um, they discover that things aren't always as, as they were taught. And they're missing this emotional component a lot of the time. You have to connect with people. You have to be able to build trust. Uh, you have to help people along. You have to, you know, these are things that if you really want to be successful, you got to have these behavioral skills. So why are we not successful at cultivating uh, emerging businesses and, 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 and leaders? Why are we not able to do that? Where, where does this deficit come from? Well, I think there's been a lot of resistance here. And I think, you know, in our school system, we really promote the IQ basis, that it's all about being smart, getting good grades. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But the other side of it gets totally neglected. This whole emotional side, uh, we don't teach it. We don't pay attention to it. We don't cultivate it, and we don't reward it in our students, and that's where it all starts. Now, I'm sure some listening will say, oh, wait a minute. Am I supposed to not be aggressive? Am I supposed to not, uh, uh, you know, really assert my, my issues and, 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 and rule the land? Am I, you know, do I have to become, you know, this la-la, foo-foo, softy kind of person? Um, so I can see where those, those questions and those lines can be blurred. Uh, can you dig deeper with us in terms of the application uh, of characteristics of, of emotional intelligence? Absolutely, and that's a really important point. Uh, people um, people seem to think that it's not about being nice. You know, it's not about finding your inner self so much. It's really about emotions that we all have and using the right emotion at the right time to get things done or to do what you need to do. So you're going to be assertive. If I have to be assertive with you, I can stand up and be assertive with you. But what it means is I don't have to be rude. I don't have to insult you. We can we can agree to disagree on things, but I can do it in a very effective way if I'm emotionally intelligent. So where were you uh, and your work uh, during the presidential uh, election? Well, funny you should ask that. <laughs> 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 There's, I'm, I'm not mentioning any names, but there might be a couple of people that could have really used your services. <laughs> well, in fact, you know, in fact, uh, we did see that as an opportunity of a lifetime, uh, you know, when these two characters were running for president. So we did actually go out and we did two large surveys uh, looking at emotional intelligence and presidential leaders. So the first survey, we got a thousand people, one third Republican, one third Democrat, one third independent. And we got them to look at our 15, we have 15 emotional intelligence skills that we measure on the EQI 2.0, which is our test of emotional intelligence. And we got all these people to rate their ideal president, you know, in terms of empathy, social responsibility, assertiveness, independence, all 15 scales. And we got a really interesting profile. There's quite a bit of agreement among all those, those factions, Republicans, Democrats, there were some differences, you know, like Democrats maybe want to be a little more social responsible, have a little more empathy than Republicans, but um, Republicans want to be more assertive. But, you know, they're pretty close. Well, then we surveyed another thousand people in the same breakout what they thought of Hillary and Donald. Well, guess what? They weren't anything close to the ideal president that people were looking for. But wow. there was some interesting... Yeah. But there were some interesting differences between them, and I guess what we wanted to do was wait and see how those differences uh, played out in terms of who got elected. So, well, of course, you know, now I feel like the National Enquirer, Enquirer minds want to know. <laughs> what were those differences? <laughs> well, I know you've done reality shows, but come on. 
<laughs> got a little suspense. So well, yeah, documented in, in the so front. You wait to come back after the commercials and find out. You know, we're going to do commercials. Come on. <laughs> okay. So, so one of the interesting things was Trump scored higher in things like independence, assertiveness, and he scored much lower in impulse control, right? Mm. You know, all those tweets you've been hearing about. So um, Hillary may have been a little bit higher in empathy and in social responsibility, but what, and, and Donald was higher in emotional expression. So what really fascinated me looking at my work in reality TV and looking what played out in this election, because nobody really thought emotional expression would be really important in terms of a presidential candidate. Mm-hmm. But these were the characteristics that differentiated and that led to a winner. And and what surprised me was interesting because in reality TV, we find a very similar thing. People high in express, uh, emotional expression, people high in independence, they just go and do their own thing. They don't necessarily listen to others. People who are low in impulse control, they just spout off whatever. Those are the people who tend to win in a lot of reality TV shows. And guess what? That just mirrored the presidential election. That is absolutely fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. That is truly amazing. So now let me ask you this. Um, as it relates to emotional intelligence, are there a differentiation between genders? And how is there it are. Right. Yeah, that? very good question. So what happened, uh, what we found, and we tested again over 2 million people worldwide. So we found gender differences seem to be pretty much the same around the world in every culture. Generally, there's no overall difference between men and women, but there are specific factors that differentiate them. For example, women tend to score everywhere higher in social responsibility. They score higher in empathy. They score higher in interpersonal relationship skills. But men seem to score higher in stress tolerance. They seem to score higher in self-regard, you know, how they see themselves. That finding is pretty universal in all of the cultures that we've looked at. That is fascinating. Even so, even in genders, but how, uh, is the same holds true for uh, different cultures, different races, and ethnicities? Great question again, boy. You're really on this. So, race was something that we were really interested in because, as you know, uh, IQ, traditional IQ, has been really controversial in terms of race and racial. Uh, differences that they've been showing and uh, and there's been a lot of conflict in that area. So we started actually 20 years ago looking at this whole area of race and we wanted to make sure that we had a culturally and racially sensitive tool when we measure emotional intelligence. What might interest you is consistently, uh, especially in the U.S. population, we find that uh, there's race is, is less than 5% of the variance but consistently, we find that if you equalize the social economic status, the gender, um, African Americans score higher than the Caucasian or white groups that's uh, right. within that five point range. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh-huh. kind of yeah. <laughs> wow. That yeah, that's kind of interesting. And we have a lot of data in Africa, and we get high scores when we uh, when we test in Africa, South Africa, Nigeria, a number of other uh, places where we've done our testing. But, you know, you can think of, you know, when you think of some of the icons of emotional intelligence, you think of people like Oprah Winfrey, you think of other people, and you can sort of see that play out. You get a sense of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now here, here's, uh, you know, I had um, a great demographer on, on, on the show recently 
So I, I, I'm curious to, to, to see if this and your research factored in in terms of the, the, the emotion, the EI difference between uh, a baby boomer versus a Gen Xer versus a Gen Y. Um, does any of your work get, you know, that specific? Yes, and uh, I think one of my last two or three chapters, we talk about that, um, the millennials and the Gen Z, and, and we've done a lot of work on that. We have a lot of data on that. And what we're finding is that that younger group, the millennials and, and Gen Z, they tend to score lower in a couple of factors, like they're less independent. They're less able to deal with stress. They come out lower in those areas. They seem to need more support, more help um, than the boomers and the uh, Gen X and Yers. So, yeah, we've documented a number of those changes, and, and I've written some articles about that. It's really interesting when you start breaking that down. I can imagine. Now, is so as, we, as we're talking about emotional uh, intelligence, um, there's a part in the book that you talk about stress management and leadership. Uh, which I thought was kind of interesting because you don't normally equate emotional intelligence and stress management and what have you. But I assume that as you develop a, a, a higher EI, that the stress levels would go down because you are more in control. Exactly. Yeah, part of it is uh, the ability to use emotion, and in this case, use emotion to manage stress. So the people that we've tested, that we've looked at, effective leaders, are really good at handling stressful situations. They don't get thrown out of control. They don't lose it. They can stay calm and they can deal with the issues that they got to deal with and get get through them. So, is there is there a process that one can go through and grow through? Because obviously, you can't necessarily just take a, a seminar or a class and come out and have you know a, a, a you know a kick ass EI, if you will. So I'm sure. <laughs> So I'm sure that it's a process that you 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 must go through, uh, and what 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 would that process be? Exactly. So uh, so we've been looking at that, and some of our colleagues have been looking at that. So, you know, it's not like as you say, it's not like going to a classroom or hearing a lecture and going out there and, and increasing your AI. These are things that are like life experience. You have to go out there and do things. You have to practice assertiveness, practice empathy. Uh, these are, are things that you have to actually do. So the best way to kind of improve it, or one of the ways that we found uh, documented is through coaching, through a really good coach who gives you, who's trained in emotional intelligence and gets you to do the various assignments that we know are learning help you increase these skills. Mm-hmm. We've also looked at, at developing some experiential um, programs for organizations, for companies, where they can take a day or half a day and practice and, and, and use some of these skills, but they're not classroom skills. You've got to go out and do them and see what happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got to apply it. Mm-hmm. So I also noticed in the book, you talk about entrepreneurship. One of the questions I, I, I had was, is there, I mean, obviously some, there are businesses that, that are more demanding than others. Is there a difference in, in, in your studies uh, between an entrepreneur uh, or business owner versus someone that is working uh, in a corporate setting that is an, at, at an executive level. Yeah, we've had some data looking at both of those groups, at, at entrepreneurs, and we've had data looking at large organizations, government. One of the things that we found that was really interesting with the entrepreneurs was that uh, certain skills like empathy, 
uh, entrepreneurs who had higher scores in empathy had larger profits in their companies than those that had lower empathy scores. So taking the time, to, yeah, taking the time to listen to employees, to pay attention to what's going on to people around you, really has an effect in how your company's going to perform. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, there's also a chapter in here, I think it's chapter 17, you talk about neuroscience and leadership. Most people don't equate <laughs> that there's neuroscience and leadership. So talk to us about <laughs> that. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, another part of our organization, our company, you know, we do a lot of research and development, and we're looking at the whole area of brain functioning and neuropsychology. And, and one of the big areas we talk about is executive functioning. And what really that, that has to do with is the planning part of the brain, you know, being able to think forward, to regulate your emotions and so on. And this is the direction we're moving in. We're looking at uh, the importance of executive functioning in the brain and good leadership ability. And we're starting to find some interesting relationships in that area as well. Uh, you use a term in the book called an unusual leader. What is an unusual leader? Well, that particular unusual leader was, was kind of interesting. She was a woman that had uh, contacted me because she wanted to know more about emotional intelligence. I'm applying in her organization. She was the head of a nonprofit organization that I discovered after meeting with her that dealt with homeless. And, but she had, this woman had worked her way up in a, in a high-tech industry as one of the top salespeople in this organization and then left that to start this nonprofit. And what was unusual about her, one of the things I found unusual, because I see lots of leaders, she was homeless for a, a part of her life as growing up as a teenager. She was living on the streets, uh, basically begging and living in shelters. And she turned her life around to become this amazing leader. And I write about her story because I found Leah was just a, a really an amazing kind of a story to show that leaders can be made. They're not just born. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Wow, that's that's a that's a powerful piece. Um, I guess lastly, going into how did you get involved in reality shows? That again, you're just a walking oxymoron, uh, Doc. Uh, emotional <laughs> intelligence <laughs> and reality shows. Uh, how does that work? So talk to well, us. You got involved in that, and because you're part of the screening process, is that right? Yeah, well, I got involved almost accidentally. A colleague of mine in L.A. was uh, was getting involved in a show you might have heard of where they, they put a bunch of people on an island and every week they would vote somebody out. And <laughs> and he was called in to do the um, assessments for that show. And he had called me and asked if I thought emotional intelligence would be useful and helpful. And we talked about it. I mean, the first thing I said is, what kind of a show is that? Nobody's going to watch that. That sounds crazy, uh, which, of course, survivors still go into this day. And uh, and we helped with that, and we did use emotional intelligence. Found it was really important. And to this day, uh, I'm in touch with with the crew at Survivor. That um, emotional intelligence is part of what's used there. But then I got called to do a number of other shows going on. Um, we're up in Canada, so shows like Big Brother Canada, Amazing Race Canada, Master Chef Canada, The Bachelor, Real Housewives. And in all these cases, there was sort of two components to what I do. One is really to screen out the real crazies. You may not believe that, but we don't want people who are too crazy on these shows. And the second part is to really understand the characteristics of personalities of the, of the characters of the candidates we select. And uh, it seems that what I've been doing has been pretty successful because I keep getting called back for more and more shows 
to use emotional intelligence and some of the other measures that we use to help with uh, casting reality shows. That is absolutely amazing. One would not even assume or think that um, that would be a factor, but you're right. You don't want crazy people, you know, or people who have mental health issues at that level uh, that might not be able to handle that level of stress or something new that they've never been exposed to before. How would they emotionally handle that? Um, and it's kind of, you're kind of like um, a conductor, I guess, in a sense, because you're kind of orchestrating the symphony uh, of all of exactly. these various different personalities and characteristics and traits to make them work together, but to be individual at the same time. Is that right? That's pretty good. That's a pretty good analogy. That's a good way to compare it. You're sort of conducting an orchestra. Yeah, yeah. So what's now? I know this is a business book, but I'm I'm curious to to think that wouldn't wouldn't your work or wouldn't someone reading this be able to apply this in their relationships, their marriages, uh, with their with parenting? Absolutely. And actually, I've written two previous books that help deal with that. One is called The EQ Edge, and the other is Emotional Intelligence for Dummies. And mm. in those books, I talk about those issues, about families, about bringing up your kids, uh, how emotional intelligence can give you a certain advantage in terms of your family, your kids, and their success. Wow, that's fantastic. Okay, so I was, I was, I was good on the money with that one. Uh, and so yeah. I guess lastly is how – I know people, of course, can go, ladies and gentlemen, you can go to the, uh, Amazon or what have you and get the book. But – I know there are people who are going to want more. They're going to want to know, you know, where can I find this research to learn more about EI and the importance of it, the efficacy of it. Um, how do they get in contact with you and what's on your, uh, what's on your website? Well, they can go to drstevenstein.com and information about the books is there, a little bit of biography information about myself, some of the tools that we developed, are on there, and you can email me, contact me with questions or things you might want to know uh, about the work we've been doing and how that may help in various situations. Oh, fantastic. Well, the book, ladies and gentlemen, is The EQ Leader, Instilling Passion, Creating Shared Goals, and Building Meaningful Organizations Through Emotional Intelligence. Uh, and the author and the expert is Dr. Stephen Stein, who is just brilliant. I just had a great conversation with you. I really enjoyed that, Doc. I enjoyed talking with you, Philip. You're right on the money. <laughs> I appreciate you. I, w I want you to come back on the show because, I, I mean, there's so much more that we can delve into. Anytime, sure. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Take care. We'll see you. Well, we won't see you because that's right. I'm, I'm thinking of my video show, but this is my radio show. We'll hear you again soon and listen again soon on the Philippe Matthews Show. Take care, everybody. <laughs>